Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. Welcome, friends and fans, to another episode of GalaxyCon Live, where we're bringing convention-style entertainment directly to you. Today, we'll be revisiting The Final Frontier with Marina Sirtis and Brent Spiner, and now let's get right to it and bring out our guests. First, her credits include The Return of Sherlock Holmes, Gargoyles, Young Justice, and The Orville. Today, she joins us to talk about her role in Star Trek The Next Generation as Commander and Counselor Deanna Troy, and her recent return to the character in Star Trek Picard. Please welcome the always lovely Marina Sirtis. Hi, Patty. Hello, Marina. How are you? I'm very well. I'm. I'm. Uh, you, you're joining me in my kitchen. <laughs> oh, lovely! This is where the magic happens. I know. Yeah, the only place that has any light in my house. <laughs> the rest of it is like the black hole of Calcutta. And you, you are, you are yeah, a fan, a fan of cooking, aren't you? You've uh, done I some do. articles I and stuff. Yeah. I am the singing chef. I sing as I cook, and then I apologize to my neighbors after. <laughs> oh, well, I we for one, I, th- I think that deserves a live streaming event in and of itself, <laughs> uh, a singing cooking session. We'll we'll talk afterwards. All right. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. Next, his credits include Night Court, Independence Day, Star Wars Rebels, and Penny Dreadful City of Angels. Today, he's here to discuss his roles as Lieutenant Commander Data and his various relations and permutations of the character in both Star Trek: The Next Generation and Star Trek: Picard. Please welcome the always engaging Brent Spiner. Hello, hello, Patty. Hello. Thank you. Hi. How are you? Oh, Good. You Good. Know, I, I've got the song. Uh, anyone out there tries to get closer than six feet, and that includes you, Patty. So be no, that's fine. I, I'm in Orlando, so I think I'm on the other side of the country for you. So. Right, so I'm in Marina's oh. kitchen. So. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. You're on the other side. Brent, tell you, glasses are going to steam up. Yeah, I think I better come out of this. Well, anyway, it's handy in case I need it. So, oh, yeah, very good, very good. H- how are you, sir, in your side of the world? Uh, in what sense? Uh, well, well, uh, recently uh, our society has got to grow at a great pause and some other things. So, just mm. want to check in with you and make sure everything is well with you and your family. But yes, indeed. If, thankfully, it is. It is fine here. We are tolerating it, and uh, obviously, we're very lucky to be living it in um, Southern California and and. Luckily, we live in a neighborhood where I can take a walk occasionally. And anyway, consider ourselves very fortunate. Absolutely. And we're very fortunate to have you both here today. Uh, What I'd love to do is just to drive right on in. Where did Star Trek begin for each of you in the Next Generation era? Marina? Uh, uh, Well, I auditioned six times. So I knew with every, you know, it was one, you know, once a week for six weeks. And so I knew I was getting close. But uh, I just got so, I got more and more nervous. I'm still amazed to this day that I was able to actually get the lines out at the last audition and get the job because I was literally shaking with nerves. Brent? I I thought you were going to say that you're still amazed that you got the job and I was going to add, I was too. I did say that. (laughs) I said that. Well, something like that. Uh, Yeah. Well, uh, you're supposed to be my friend. I always say nice things about your acting. Hey, your acting is like... uh, (laughs) Too late. Too late. Your acting, I've said this before, it's like sliding down a rainbow into a a pool (laughs) of of beautiful cherubs. Uh, Anyway, 
uh, me, uh, Patty, uh, Marina, I, uh, I too had six auditions, I think. And yeah, and, and luckily they gave me the part. Uh, uh, I'm not sure why exactly, but it, but it all worked out. You're a brilliant actor, that's why. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. I don't know if you've seen him, he's really good in Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. Well, thank you, darling. Well, absolutely. Very good. I, you have very good Corona hair, Brent. Corona. You haven't had a haircut in like what three months now? Yeah, but it, you know what? I've, I've like combed oh, it you... back, and it's like I've got a what uh, are those things that Billy Ray Cyrus used to? Oh, wear? Well, like a, like a little uh, what do they call? Um... What were those haircuts called? Where, where uh, the was long and the I know mullet? Huh? Not a mullet. A mullet. A mullet. A mullet. A mullet. Yeah, <laughs> a mullet in the back here. <laughs> well, yeah, I can't see to do the back of my hair, so it's all in the front. <laughs> Don't look at the back. I cut my hair actually oh, once. You did it. Yeah, uh, I cut the sides and I cut the top, but I couldn't cut the back because I couldn't. You know. Did you have one of those machines that they oh. sell that cut your hair? Okay, what, what are they called? Floby. Flobies, that's right. Yeah, but they have vacuum now. cleaners. They have these things that you put on your hand and you run it through your hair and it and it it cuts it. But I'm afraid. I would yeah, be very afraid. Be yeah. very afraid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like those things that curl your hair. I can just see my hair being trapped in that for the rest of my life if oh, I yes. had to cut it off. I've already got a, a scar up here for burning myself with my curling iron. This <laughs> I know. Well, when you got to do your own hair. All these new skills that necessity is forced to learn. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. From... The way your characters were originally envisioned all the way to the final film, was there a moment of character growth that resonated with you? Where you got a script or they told you, this season we're going in this direction of the character and you felt, yes, this is this is where I want to go too. Yeah, Face of the Enemy. Remember that when I was uh, a Romulan? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, because suddenly from being, you know, sweet, sweet, lovely, you know, decorative, Troy, there I was, a Romulan, and playing, you know, like kicking some ass, really. Yeah. And so I think that kind of was a big shift for my character. And then the other big shift, of course, was when I had put my uniform on. And then, again, it was like, oh, my God, she has, you know, because I've talked about it at conventions before, if you have a cleavage in Hollywood, you can't have a brain. So when I lost all that... My brain matter came flooding back. So I would say those two moments. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I, I That was one thing that we as fans, we all notice when the character Jellico told Counselor Troy, I prefer a standard uniform. And when Picard came back, you stayed in the uniform for the most uh -huh. part. And it was a very welcome, I thought, evolution of the character. They never made, I have to say, they never made me a uniform. I had to, you know, they gave me one of the extras, oh, excuse me, atmosphere, one of their uniforms that had already been made. They didn't even bother to make me one. So, because by then, you know, DS9 was on the air and uh, they were getting all the good stuff and we were getting what was left over. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> How about you, Brad? Any moments that you <laughs> felt, wow, okay, this is good? Uh, well, you know, it almost started from the beginning. I mean, certainly from uh, the first episode, Naked Now, after the pilot. We were doing some stuff in that episode that I thought was really fun. And the fact that they would let me do what I was doing uh, was a revelation. Because I thought it was going to be a very limited experience. My, my scene with uh, Denise, 
I thought there would be more and more of that, but you know. Top five, top five in everyone's top 10. <laughs> that That's well, true. Mine, but, Fan uh, favorite. Fan yeah. favorite from season one. Well, you know what? And they, uh, but, but the studio, I think, was not particularly happy with us going in that direction. So it all changed. But the next time I had this feeling of, oh, this is exactly where I want to be, uh, I guess was Big Goodbye because we were then playing something other than, you know, Lost in Space. And, and, and then, of course, we'd get to do, the, when, when I got to do Sherlock Holmes, that was like, okay, this is like right in the pocket. This is, so how did this happen? You the know? irony, the irony of it is that when you got the job, you thought the character would be very limited because you're an android. Yep. And you ended up having more stuff to do than any of us. Uh, well, you know what? Incarnations, different costumes, different yeah. characters, different, you know, instruments and dancing. and No, it was a real gift. And But yeah. uh, we had a, uh, a director, and I don't remember his name. I think he was like on the third episode we ever did. And he said to me, if this show runs seven years, you are going to be so miserable. He said, because you can't do anything. You have no emotion. You can't do anything. And I said, I, I don't think it's going to turn out like that. And, and luckily it didn't. Certainly fun seeing both of you in Fistful of Data is where you got to run around as <laughs> every character. And again, we got a chance to see, uh, see Troy. I got Fred to see you. Got to, got to see you, Marina, in a very sexy cowgirl outfit. I was, I was, excuse me. I was Durango, the mysterious stranger. I'll have you know. I stay corrected. That's right. You're and, absolutely and, right. Sexy cowboy, indeed, cowgirl. Patrick directed that episode. I know, and that was where that was where I had more smoke. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was such a fun episode to. Uh, it's one of my favorites, actually, just because it was so much fun to shoot that episode. Yeah. And because it gave me something different to do for once. You know, it was yeah. like, okay, you know. She's not working out. Let's give her something else to do. So um, I, I love that episode. Except mm -hmm. I have to keep telling Dorney, he kept saying, don't be funny. This is my episode. That's and right. I, <laughs> and I'm like, no, Dorney, it's called A Fistful of Davis. That's a big clue as to who that episode is. You know, I have a really uh, interesting story about that episode, if we have time. Yeah, oh, I think we have time. <laughs> All right. Well, at least it's interesting to me. I don't know about who guys, but... Uh, are you folks at home? Anyway, we had a dresser. Uh, we had we had dressers on to help us in and out of our costumes if we needed help. And we shot that episode. Where did we shoot that, Marina? Was at it Universal? Was it? Oh no, Warner's. At oh, Warner's. It was hmm. Warner's Ranch. Warner's Ranch, right? Because yeah. we don't, we didn't have a Western set apparently. Right. So it was a whole Western town, and and so I had to have because I was playing several characters. They had uh, stand-ins for all of the other characters that I wasn't playing at, at any given moment uh, in case they needed to shoot over shoulders or, you know, that kind of thing. So we had this dresser and he was a cowboy. Do you remember that guy, uh, Maria? Yes. Yes. I don't remember his name, but I remember oh, who you mean. He was a lovely guy. I can't remember his name either, but I'm sorry if you're watching. Can I call you cowboy Bob? Uh, <laughs> that works. He, he, he uh, he wore a 10 gallon hat, remember? And, and totally Western outfit all the time. So he was the perfect dresser for that episode. I was playing one character and now it was time for me to change into the other character. So he came into my quarters, wherever they, I, I guess we had a trailer out there and he came in and he said, 
you're going to kill me. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. And I said, what, what happened? And he said, well, the stuntman who was wearing what you now have to wear, we, I don't know how it happened. He said, I only brought one costume and he's already worn it and it's wet because it was so hot out there that day. Yeah. It was soaking wet. Okay. And uh, so uh, he said, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. So I said, look, just give it to me. I put it on and went out and did the scene. And he was so grateful. And uh, But then the next day, I received a box, um, a shoe box. And inside was a letter from him and a Colt 44 revolver. What? And, yeah, uh-huh, uh, an antique Colt 44, oh. I mean, like from 1886. Wow. And he, in the letter, he said, this gun reputedly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, reputedly belonged to the man who killed Pat Garrett. And, oh, my God. Yeah, and his initials were, were carved in it. And he said, it's only been used, he said, yeah, last time Tommy Lee Jones used it in a movie. Just be careful. It shoots a little high and to the left. And I still have that. I still have that. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a permit for it? No. And I mean, I, I, I wouldn't mind selling it, but. Uh, you would. I, yeah. It, yeah. Do I, you, have, you don't have the provenance, though. There's no papers or anything like right. that. But, you know, so. It, yeah. If, it, if a gun is more than 100 years old, it's considered an antique and probably unfireable. So you can. Right. Yeah. I won't do that. But anyway, let yeah. that be a lesson to you kids out there who are in show business that if someone wants you to wear a wet costume, it pays off in the long run. <laughs> wow, that is... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's showbiz. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I would love to know how how did Picard come about for both of you? Uh, Patrick made the announcement uh, two years ago that uh, that... Patrick Stewart and Star Trek Picard was in the works. When were each of you contacted? Well, Marina, you want to? Well, I th- well, Brent, you go because you were you knew before we did. I didn't because there was that dinner we all went to. You remember? Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, I didn't no. Know before that, I didn't know. Yeah, well, yeah. But Patrick told what well, he hinted to me and to Brent that we would be involved in some way that um, night. I mean, well, that what happened? Night. He announced. Was, obviously, he announced at uh, in Vegas. In Vegas. Yeah. In Vegas. Uh, but that dinner was after Vegas. Vegas. That dinner was after Vegas, and he right. took you and I aside and said that we would be involved in some right. way. Right. Yeah. But you exactly. know, I don't believe anything until you know I see it. So right. that when I did hear about it, I actually had to turn it down because I was doing a play in London. Right. So the and the dates clashed, and so they. The wonderful people over there at Picard basically fixed it so that we shot out a sequence. Uh, I shot my stuff with Jonathan in the middle of a different episode. Everything's streaming now so they can do that stuff. You know, it's not like when we were shooting on film and, you know, actual film. And we shot, what, a month in advance before the show was on the air. And it was a very different time. So it worked out. And I'm really happy that it worked out because, oh my God, it was like I had cured cancer. It was, everyone loved it so much. <laughs> I've never Absolutely. got so many, so many lovely compliments as I did on Picard. It's lovely. Yeah. You so was I a this before and then I got good? <laughs> I'm not sure why. For us fans, it just got us right in the feels. It just, it was, 
it, it was right. It was like, okay, what happened after, after you uh, two rode off in the sunset, you had a life, a little bit of sadness. Absolutely. But it, yeah, it made, it made a lot of fans feel happy. Yeah, yeah. it did. It did. You're, You're welcome. You're welcome. It was, it was great fun to do. Yeah. And what about you, Brent? Well, I, you know, had no intention of, of being in the show, obviously. I mean, Patrick had said that the season will have to do with, with data. I, I don't know, you know, what the plan is. And, and, but, and so I was trying to come up with stuff that I thought I wanted to be on the show, but yeah. I didn't want to play data. And so I, I, you know, pitched an idea to Patrick and he took about playing a different character and he took it back to the, the powers that be. And they said, they got back to him and they said, well, that's really interesting, but we don't think we're going to go that way. So I was like, okay, no big deal. Then I got a phone call from CBS saying, would you hypothetically be willing to do the show? And I said, well, hypothetically, sure. I'll do anything <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> uh, they don't know you, Brent, do they? They, don't, no. they should have called me first and asked me how to approach you. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, I, but then I got a phone call from uh, my, or my manager got a phone call and said, you know, uh, they'd like to meet you. The guys who are putting the show together would like to meet with you. I said, fine. And, and went down, had a meeting and they were hugely impressive guys to meet. And I mean, Alex uh, and uh, uh, Akiva and Michael Shabon. I mean, these are like incredible. The creme de la creme in our business. Well, really, they're, they're, you know, it's an incredible pedigree that, yeah. uh, I mean, Michael Shaban has won a Pulitzer Prize. I know, I know. It was, uh, you know. Akiva has an Academy Award for screenwriting on his I know, and also, I had worked with Akiva before because he directed me on Titans, you know, so I knew Akiva. Oh, there you are. And, you know, what, and it, you know, I mean, I've done a lot of interviews about Picard, obviously. Again, you know, lovely things about Troy. And but the answer all and they're like, why? You know, why was it so special? And it was on the page. It was on the page. Yeah. When the writing's good, isn't it, Brent? When the writing's good. Well, you know, listen, I'm not saying anything bad about my TNG, but we were working under the, the pressure of getting the show out every seven working days. Every seven working days we did a show. We were getting rewrites upon rewrites. We got rewrites after we'd shot the scene sometimes. I mean, the pressure on the writers on an episodic show that's doing 26 shows a season is very different to 10 episodes, you know, that you can spend time on. Right. And you've got a lot of money. Let's yeah. not forget how much money they've got over at Picard. Oh, the budgets were 10 times what we, we 10 had. times what we had. Yeah. And, you know, I say, I say it with pride. Our cast made a silk purse out of many a sow's ear on TNG. Did we not, Brent? Well, on, on, on some episodes, we certainly did. I mean... On, um, yeah, on some. I'm, I'm not saying, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of them I mean were there were some well-written episodes, too. Some, oh, there know. were some great episodes. But, yeah. you know, towards the end, towards the end... Right. Right. <laughs> but we had, you know, some real... There's, a, there's a diagram. Well, when there's you think a... about the writers we had, who were almost all now showrunners... I know. Uh, Brandon and, and Ron Moore. And, and Ron Moore, I know. Uh, all those guys. And we had Renee, Renee, all of them. Yeah. yeah. Renee, yeah. Maria, the yeah. wonderful. John Minoski, all of them. 
Great writers, yeah. But great, then, great writers. But like I said, it's a different pressure when you're writing 26 shows a season. Yeah, that's right. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's said we, we have this really new, interesting, the streaming format, which enables to treat seasons now as a long, continuous narrative with little adventures in between. You guys were bound by the going from point A to point B to point C and then reboot to point A. You did, we're experimenting with some overall story arcs, and uh, Next Generation really was the trailblazer in that for a lot of things, certainly. But certainly the idea of let's take a sci-fi show, let's have an ongoing story arc for the for the season. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what what you guys did Next Generation definitely paved the way for what we're enjoying DS, now. DS9. Well, DS9 went really that way. You know, there was a major you know story arc. I think the story arcs on TNG were the relationships yeah. as opposed to yes. the stories, that's right? True. Yeah. That was where the story arcs were, were in the different relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. This is what we like to do because that's what's interesting is relationships. Right. Is Troy going to hook up with Worf? Let's find out. Don't you ever say that again. Hush your mouth. Wash, go wash your mouth out. I, I know you... You have, you have said it. You'll put on record many times that you thought Troy should be with her Imzadi and left, leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The writers just watched Beauty and the Beast once too many times. Yeah, well, I think there's an episode coming in Picard in the second season where Worf goes, goes to the woods to kill Riker so that he can have, <laughs> he can have Troy. Are you through with her, sir? Brent, spoilers, please. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Thank you so much. I'll tell you what, let's speak of good writing. Let's go to some of our questions from our audience who are watching us here. And Jude, why don't you start us off? And this comes from Kim. What were some of the funniest things that happened on the set? Nothing. Oh, okay. No, nothing this funny. Is, well, this you know is what? a really hard question to answer. Because I mean, some of the funniest or the funniest? Some, some of the funny, funny. just something, something that, that you can you can pick out. Did anything funny happen? I mean, I think you, the, know, you know what it is, Brent, is that yeah. we always talk about how much we laughed. So people yeah. assume that funny things were happening. Right. Um, not so much. We we laughed because we're funny. We're a funny group, oh, and uh, we laughed at each other or with each other. I do remember that when Gates took over the bridge in an episode. She redecorated the ready room for Patrick, put pictures of herself and, and Will Wheaton everywhere, you know. But not really, nothing, nothing. Well, you I know, mean, you know, the usual stuff, doors not working, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right, but we did laugh all day long because we, we, did. we amused each other, you know, and we amused the crew. And so we had a really good time. We had to or we would have gone insane because we were inside a soundstage for, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16 hours a day sometimes. That's why we got, that's why being in lockdown is no different it's, to work. It's, it's like, you know, except that I'm not wearing makeup. It's, it's Actually, lockdown is better because, yeah, we don't have to wear makeup and we can see the sun, whereas when we were on the set, it was dark when we went to work and it was well, dark when we went home, so yeah. we never saw the sun. I mean, there were no windows except in 10 forward, but that, it didn't really look outside. It looked at a right. on it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, Steve, look, stop it. We're spoiling the magic for our fans. Oh, yeah. So, no. Kim, I'm sorry that we can't, you know, actually name a thing. But I will say 
twice in seven years. I laughed so hard. You know, when they say that you're rolling on the ground with laughter, I literally was rolling. My legs gave way under me and I was rolling on the ground with laughter. What was it? I don't know, but it was with Jay, one with James Worthy. Hmm. That was one time. Then the other time was when we came to find the dead Geordie in sickbay, oh, remember? That was hilarious. Hilarious. I, I could yeah. not stop laughing. No, we all couldn't stop laughing, but yeah. I was literally on that the That was floor. hilarious because I have a we, – we came into sickbay. You know, a lot of you have already heard this story before, but bear with us. We, we came into sickbay to see how Geordie was doing because he'd had some kind of episode. And – he was he was dead actually. So when we came in, we had to see Nurse uh, Ogawa. Nurse Ogawa, yeah, uh, Patty, right? And so we we had to. I had a line. How is Jordy? We could see over her shoulder he was on a slab, dead as a doornail, <laughs> and so we could not get. I couldn't get the line out. We were laughing so hard. We how is Jordy? Oh, I see. He is dead. You know, it was uh, absurd. Well, you know, well, you can talk to him, but we won't talk back and stuff like that. That's right. You may talk to him. It went on forever. The director was very upset with us. Very upset with us. You remember who the director was on that? No, don't. But then I blanked out most of the directors. Oh, no, that's a mean thing to say. No, I haven't blanked out. Well, actually, I haven't. I can't remember half of them. Right. There are a lot. There are a lot. But we will remember you, Kim, for that great question. Yes, Thank you, Kim, and uh, we have a very long answer to a very short question. We it's hope all good. Satisfactory. We are we are a quality over quantity show, so we are doing great. So, Jude, what's next? This one sounds like Kelly. How difficult was it for you to go back to your Star Trek characters for Picard? The the the, the blessing was that I didn't have to wear a space suit. I don't know if I would have done it if I'd had to wear a space suit. I have to be on it. You did you wear a space suit? Yeah, you did, <laughs> and I also wore makeup. I mean, I I was Data, you know. That's right, you yeah. did. You wore a spacesuit and you were gold. Yeah. You see, I was. Well, let's just put it this way: I wouldn't look as good in my spacesuit as I did back then because I'm about fifteen pounds heavier than I was back then. So that was uh, that was great that I didn't have to pour myself into a spacesuit. But it wasn't difficult. It was like putting on a comfy pair of slippers, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I have said it, it It took longer for me to get made up than it did for me to get into character. Exactly, yeah. It was like, really like riding a bike. And I know that's a cliche, but it really was. It just came back instantly. Excellent, cool. Kelly, thank you for that. Worried. Oh, Kelly, I was a little worried about the accent, but then the accent changed so much anyway over the seven years of TNG that I didn't think it mattered. We We believed you. Good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Kelly, thank you for that one. Uh, let's see. What's next? From Laura. She'd like to know the biggest challenge you both had while playing Troy and Data. And, and, the, favorite and the favorite part you had while playing them. Playing them. That's two questions, Laura, and you, you actually only get one. So. The biggest challenge. Keeping Marina out of Troy. That was the biggest challenge. Yeah. And keeping Marina out of Data, too, was my biggest yeah. challenge. Uh, yeah. Keeping Marina out of everybody is yeah, actually. Exactly. Uh, you know, for me, it was um, really the challenge was the makeup. It was it was so uncomfortable, and, and in particular the contacts. And even though they were 
my prescription, they were not comfortable and the makeup would smear across my eyes. And so, you know, 10 minutes into the day, I couldn't see anything. And that was for all of those hours of the day. It was horrible. Yeah, because the gold dust got on. Because I wore lenses too, but I wear lenses in life, so they didn't really bother me that much. Yeah. But you you had that gold powder that yeah, it's was just everywhere. Yeah. And oh, I couldn't read. There was, I couldn't no, read. Not read. And then also oh, going from bright to dark. Right. Blind, because, you know, right. your pupils open when you normally do that. And, of course, when you have a tiny little hole to look through, that doesn't happen. Nothing happens, right. So you're uh, blind yeah. for a little while. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there were challenges. The favorite part, I think we all agree, was working with our chums. Yeah. We, yeah, that was the best part. Definitely. Working, working with, with each other. Working with these people, uh, yeah. You know, I was going to say about the not being able to read, you know, that's one of the reasons I had to have my lines down perfectly the night before. So that when I got there, I could do them because I couldn't, you know, as opposed to Dorn, I couldn't read the lines and then say them, you know. <laughs> uh, out of curiosity. I have, who... to, I have to say, I have to say, seven years and four movies, I can say with my hand on my heart that Brent was the only person of the regular cast who never once brought a script on the set. He knew his lines verbatim every morning. The right. rest of us would be like, we kind of half know him and we'll, and we'll, and we'll practice, you know, while they're lighting. Yeah. Um, but Brent knew his lines and it what was what really impressed me because he had all that bloody techno babble crap to do as well. Yeah, but I don't I don't generally do that. I mean, nowadays I, I kind of know them. Uh, you know, I know them pretty well, but I just want to keep them fresh. But that was just impossible no. and I had yeah. to know them. Yeah. yeah, you have to know. Yeah, yeah. Out of curiosity, who spent more time in the makeup chair, you or Michael? It depends on who you talk to. I, I mean, he says he does. And, and well, he, he his call was he had the first call of the morning. Yeah, I had the second. Now this is scary. I had the second call of the morning, and Brent had the third call of the morning. It takes a long time to make me look that good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, mine was an hour and fifteen minutes, and and. Okay. Uh, that's what it was every day. The difference between me and Dorn, though, was that my, getting mine off was also an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. And uh, he was long gone by the time yeah. I got yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much yeah. so. Excellent. Laura, thank you for that one. That was a great one. Let's see. Laura, Dude, what's I, I, I love your name, Laura. Shall I sing? Laura it, is the fa- Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Jude, what's next? What's song with Laura. I can't think of one. Morgan. Morgan. Yeah. If you had a holodeck at home in quarantine, what would you use it for? Ooh. Interesting. Uh, can we visit our friends in it? <laughs> that would I, I would like to yeah. visit like Oh yeah, know, we could eat out. We could go out for dinner on the holodeck. For a meal. You know, that's the kind of stuff I am really missing is is, you know, meeting up with my friends and having a meal and schmoozing and yeah. you know. I'd go to a football match, but I suppose everyone who knows me is not surprised about that because, you know, here I am with my Spurs mug. I would go to a football match. I'd have Spurs beating Arsenal on the holodeck. Well, and and also if I had a holodeck, I would recreate this experience with the audience there in front of us so I could see Uh, it. It'd be like a convention. Be like an actual convention. Exactly. We are missing conventions, people. We really are. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we ought to say now 
that just because some, and I am going to say it, and some people might get a little upset, but just because some states open up <laughs> doesn't mean we're going to go if there's a convention there. We're too old, you know. The risk is too. We're in that risk. We're in that high risk group because we're all over sixty-five. So um, you know, we're trying to keep alive here. So yeah, just because some states are opening up and saying that they're going to have conventions, uh, yeah. we're going to we're going to we're going to do it on a case by case basis. Yeah, I mean, we That's could probably right. do the entire hour now on wearing a mask and yeah, doing but the fans things. don't want to hear about us wearing a no, mask. Keeping it's social distance. I know you're all doing that. I don't have to say. What? I say I know they're all doing that, and I don't have to say anything about it. Well, it's only eight percent of the population that is, and it's a very, very small minority. Right. They are all—they live on my street, all of them. They? <laughs> yeah. They all, they all live at the lake in Arkan, Lake of Arkansas. Uh, dude, let's go ahead and roll another one. Oh. Okay. Uh, uh oh, this is from one Trek fan, Brett Marina. Does the next gen cast ever get together outside of conventions? Uh, uh, you mean when we're at a convention, do we get together outside? Yes. No. She means do we meet at you know, do we hang out? Yeah, like hang out socially at yeah. conventions. Yeah. Yes, we, we do. do. All the we time. Do. Yeah. Definitely. I, and, yeah. And, you know, In I'm, fact, I had Dorney over yesterday. You did. In the backyard, socially distanced with masks on. Because I bought a, a, a rolling rail to hang clothes on, you know, one of those portable ones that you can move from room to room like they have in the stores. Yeah. And I I opened the box when it arrived and I was like, took the stuff out and just put it back and called Dorney and said, would you mind driving for three hours to come and put my rail together? So he did. So I, I made him cookies. I got him lunch and I made him cookies. He is so handy, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He is, yes. Because now I used to have someone handy in the house, but of course I don't anymore. So I'm going to have to rely on Jordan and cook for him, which actually is what I've been doing for 30 years. So <laughs> Exactly. So you <laughs> made cookies so for him, huh? What? You made cookies for him. I did. I made, actually, I made gluten-free lamb, uh, um, lamb gluten cookies? cookies, and I made them with almond flour. Wait, gluten-free what? Gluten-free chocolate chip made with almond flour instead okay. of regular flour, and they were yeah. delicious. Better than the cake you made him? The cake, which cake? The cancer cake or the cake I made him for his birthday? The one you made for his birthday. Oh, that was terrible. That yeah. was a new recipe that I'm never making again. It was like a brick. But the frosting was good. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you eat that? Vegan is hard. Vegan, you know, you, if yes. you can't put eggs in something, it's hard to get it to rise like it should. Yeah, exactly. But I did the cookies. Good for it. Good. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, when we do your live uh, singing cooking streams, we'll do a cooking. Oh, yeah, we're going to cook it, aren't we? Yeah, we will do. <laughs> Actually, no, we should do that. Patty will talk. <laughs> Greek cooking lessons online. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to teach mime online. Yes. No, yeah. isn't that isn't that Gates's perfume? Like, like this? Elmeme? Gates, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I thought it was, but I asked her about that recently. Didn't you teach mime? And she said, no, I taught, taught clowning. She did. She uh, taught masks and clowning, but she studied yeah. with, with, um, with Cocteau. With no, uh, with... Um, Marcel uh, Marceau. Not Marceau. Monsieur... Uh, 
Monsieur somebody. I can't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I know. There's someone very major, famous. Major but we're not, yeah. we haven't taken our Prevagen and we forgot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because there's there's movements and then there's mime which start the same yeah. but go go differently. I'm not I'm good at that. Yeah, it's uh, fine. Hey, you uh, interesting, Patty. Yes, sir. You are I mean, so really handsome, Frank. Am I? You are. Oh. Um, I love you. Oh. Thank you. I love you too. I'm looking over here, but actually you're over here. I oh, no, I'm having the same problem because I'm looking yeah. at you on the screen, but my eyes might be going the wrong way. But that, that's all right. <laughs> the bloody great lashes that are a little bit too heavy. <laughs> I can't see oh. my eyes. I just see black. Oh. Won't be wearing oh. these again. you look good. Yes, sir. Now, you know what I think would be kind of fun? I, don't, I mean, I don't know if it would really, but in future, uh, yes, not sir. at this time exactly, but uh, that these questions that are coming from the fans that we know where they are in the world – that they're sending these from? Uh, you will have that option in your private chat option. There's a, okay. I believe there's a little spot where they could give you some basic biographical observations. I'm Jonesy. I'm out of uh, Ontario okay. and yeah. my favorite episode or anything you've done. I want to talk to you about night court. You know, I believe yeah. that option look, will be available for you. Yeah. I look forward to that just because this, this really allows us to be anywhere. We are all over the world right now. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Shall we uh, hit, do another one? Yeah. Cool. This one from Nicole. Uh, what has been your most fulfilling non-Trek role? Well, I have to say, because that's easy for me, the play that I just did last summer in London, for lots of reasons. One, because it was my West End debut at the age of 64. So that was a, that was that was one off the bucket list. I actually made it to the West End stage. It was the first time ever that I got to play myself. I didn't have to play a character. I didn't have to do an accent. I didn't have to look different. I didn't have to, you know, I just could be me. And it was just the best. It was, I felt, you know, because I've always said like American actors, you know, kind of play versions of themselves, which is why they're so good on screen, because it's true. You know, it's uh, it's authentic. But I've always wanted to either wear a wig or do an accent or not be me. And I didn't realize how wonderful it was to play a version of me and how freeing it is not to worry about all the other stuff. What's the title of the play? What was it, was it about? Dark, it was called Dark Sublime. Okay. And it was about an aging actress who used to be on a cult sci-fi show. Hmm. <laughs> so, how did you do it? What a, so, I did what a stretch. Yeah, I know. I know. Real stretch. I, um, I love it when the cast gets tight. I know, I know. So and so, it was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. That's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, hopefully you could do a is a multicast or a one one lady show. No, no, it was five five of us in the okay. car. Yeah, maybe we'll resuscitate it one day. It would be lovely. Please do. I would very much like to see that. So, how about you, sir? What uh, non track? Uh, well, you know what? I mean, you said the word was fulfilling, and I'm not sure. I think. I, I mean, I've done some things that I, I feel uh, really grateful to have done that were really, you know, I, but the ones that I guess I'm most fulfilled about were the ones that I thought, why, why did they cast me in this? You know, I, I, I just didn't see it. And I thought, how can I do this part? I can't even imagine. And then somehow magic happens and, and it gets pulled off a little bit, but like I played John Adams in 1776 on Broadway. And he was I, wonderful. Thank you. And I, I kind of felt like when I got the part. Uh, Did you get a nomination, Brent? 
I got a Drama Desk nomination. I did not get a Tony well, nomination. Well, I'm glad someone nominated you for something. That was yeah, so really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Tonys, there were only four nominations back then. There are five now, and I think I would have had that fifth one, but, but maybe not. And then I did I, the series I did for Cinemax three years ago, four years ago, something like that, called Outcast. It was a real. It was mm -hmm. um, Robert Kirkman who does Walking Dead. He, yeah. he created the show, and it's. Uh, I just again, it was a role. I thought, uh, how can I play this? It's it's so I'm not right for this, and and it turned out to be really really so fun good. to do. The thing I'm most if I could do one role and had only done one role my entire career, aside from, from Data, obviously, would have been this movie Out to Sea with uh, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. Oh. Mainly to meet those guys and Donald O'Connor and, uh, and Lang Stritch and on and on and on. But it, it is what I thought I was, my career was going to be and was that part. And so it was fulfilling to finally be able to do something that, was in a genre that I always thought I would be doing. Yeah. 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 That was so okay. good. Then you got to my sing. own horn for, you know, a few minutes there. But, yeah. Uh, you got to, you got to sing and sneer a lot in that film. Yeah. <laughs> a little top shoe and yeah. And, and work with these guys, these legends. I mean, I, it was a dream come true. It really was. Absolutely. Very good. Nicole, thank you for that one. We have time for one more. So I asked you to roll our last question for today. Brent Perino, what current projects can we look forward to seeing you on large or small screens? Well, I finished a movie right before lockdown called A Thousand Little Cuts. Um, it's a very serious movie. It's about domestic violence. And I play, wait for it, a psychologist. <laughs> You've got some practice. She's not like Troy, you know, first of all, she's English and she's not like Troy. So, yeah, but it's I thought it was a very important story to tell because people always assume that domestic violence only happens with, you know, people, couples that are living together. And this movie is about violence against women in, uh, in, in dating type of relationships as well and how women don't speak out. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I have. Don't know when it's going to come out. I just uh, did, I did ADR at home for the trailer. So <laughs> we'll see, we'll see when it comes out, but everything's kind of ground to a halt here. Yep. Well, and uh, as you know, I'm on uh, <laughs> Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. I, I mean, I, I don't have a huge role in that, but it's, it's Cherse, as uh, Spencer Tracy might've said. I, I, I don't know. I did do uh, a voiceover for the comedy network for, I mean, the Cartoon Network for um, Greg Wiseman for the, the, I played the Joker on. on yeah, on Young yeah. Justice. On Young Justice, yet again. I did it five <laughs> years ago, and now I recently Joker's just like, did it That's again. what happens with me. Queen Bee shows up Queen like Bee. once every two or three years. <laughs> she does, <laughs> says a couple, she's mean, and she says a couple of words, and then she disappears for a while. <laughs> and, and I might say, I, I think the reason that I wound up doing the Joker. There's only one really good reason, and that's because Hamill didn't want to do it. That's all I can think of. <laughs> Who didn't want to do it? Mark Hamill. He's fantastic. Oh, as well. Yeah. Uh, you 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 did a very very good Joker. You you did your own interpretation, and I, I was I was very impressed by, by your take well, on it. Somehow this Joker is different than that Joker was. Yeah. It's not it's not as dark a show as it was back in the day. 
Yeah, very much so. He's he's really he's I, I'm a big fan of Young Justice and uh, both your work. Are on you? that. And, oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Am I good? You are fantastic. You uh, it's well, it's going to suck. No, I've, never, I've, never, I've never seen gargoyle so you know well you're I'm missing not, out am i am i missing out you're, 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 you're missing out, out. Oh, what is it on disney that new disney plus it's it's oh, on new disney plus and gargoyles is starting to get a little resurgence now people are start who grew up on it are starting to show it to their kids and getting hooked on it so maybe we might I see it. it yeah hey I've watched everything else, so I may as well watch Gargoyles. <laughs> uh, I'm really uh, watching Downton right now for the fifth time, so maybe I'll watch Gargoyles. Well, there you go. Absolutely check it out. You might hear some familiar voices. <laughs> I you're also, not watching Downton Abbey, are you, Brent? What's that? You're not watching Downton Abbey, are you? I've seen the whole thing. Did you like it? Loved it. <sighs> loved it. I'm surprised. Yeah, no, I loved it. Come on, Michelle Dockery, give me a break. I know. I said I can't wait to get back to England and get in a corset again and do a period drama. Yeah, I bet. Ooh. <laughs> that's on the bucket list. That is, well, it's, I've done it before, obviously, but I would like to do it again. And we don't do the period drama thing in America, so... I'm going to have to go back to uh, the home country. We we are creating a great list for you today, Marina. A cooking show, singing, and corsets. Okay. Maybe we can do all three at once. Exactly. Brent, why don't you join us wearing a corset while she cooks and sings? You know, I, I've, I've done it before. Didn't you wear one? Didn't you wear one in Fistful of Davis? Didn't you have a corset on? <laughs> yeah. You had a basque. What we call a basque. <laughs> It's something behind me. I don't know what that. Yeah, was. and they threaded it up. Yeah, Galaxy Cat viewers, this Not has been this was awesome. Actually, in Fistful of Davis, it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Galaxy Cat viewers, this has been Marina Sirtis and Brent Spiner. Marina, Brent, thank you so much for joining us. Thank I, you. Thank you. Glad it was fun. At on we look forward to having you again live in person on our stages in front of your fans. And yes. Thank Thank you so much for this hour, and thank you to everyone watching at home. Be safe, be well, and keep washing the hands. Love you, Brent. Love you, Patty. Bye. Love you, too. Bye. <laughs>